Today we're wrapping up our many two-week series, Relational Wisdom, Reflecting Jesus in a Season of Polarization. I heard from many of you this past week, it's clear this is relevant to many, a lot of you right uh, now. Last week we saw what the Bible says about how do you deal with difficult people. And if you want to uh, see that message, you can go on YouTube or go to our website. You'll find it both places. By the way, did you know that if you did a Google search, I tried this, how do you respond to people who are mean? You know how many results you get? 8,730,000,000. Here's what's scary about that. How many people are in the world today? 7.9 billion. There's more responses to, to how do you deal with mean people than there are people in the world. Houston, we have a problem, right? Uh, Lord, help us to shine for you. So here's what we want to do today. We want to see what the Bible says about the hard side of love. Remember, I was at a friend's home. We're in their living room, and their about three-year-old little boy, uh, he climbs up on top of the piano. And mom says, Alex, um, you, you know I, I don't like you to be on top of the piano. And Alex just stands there and grins at her and almost dares her like, what are you going to do? And she goes, Alex, you know we've talked about this, and I don't like you to be in the piano. I want you to come down. So what does Alex start doing? He starts jumping up and down on the piano. And his mom looks at me and she goes, oh, Alex, he, you know, I think I just love him too much to not let him do whatever he wants to do. Does she really love him too much? How about the woman whose husband uh, comes home late, often drunk, and throws things around the house and punches holes in the wall? And he comes home on Friday night, and this time he doesn't hit her, but he takes the remote control and he flings it across. He's drunk, and one of his fits of rage. And you ask her, and you say, so why, do you, why are you still in the home with him? Like, why haven't you left or hasn't he left? Why are the kids there? And she goes, oh, man, I don't know. I just think I, I, I could never ask him to leave. I just love him too much to not. Does she really love him too much? Or does maybe she, she failing to love wisely? What does it look like for you and for me who are called to love and to reflect the heart of God? What do we do when we're in a really difficult relationship or there's a situation at work or at school or on a team where you just go, I, I don't know, what does love look like here? I want us to talk about that today, that there's a hard side to love, that people who genuinely love others will say, I, I want to see what the Bible says. I want the spirit of Jesus to empower me to love even when it's hard in the moment. So let's take a look and see what the Bible says about that. If you turn me to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it's right toward the end of your Bible. You have Hebrews, James, and then First and Second Peter. By the way, there's notes for today's message. A lot of uh, verses on here, as well as two books. In, in 25, 30 minutes, we can only sort of scratch the surface of what the Bible says. But I put two books on here I think are excellent. You can check out. And then those of you online, you just go to our homepage of our website, click the bulletin, you'll see the notes right there. Uh, we're going to see a principle here. How does God love 
us enough to do the hard stuff, say stuff, hard stuff, allow us to go through hard stuff, and then we're gonna apply it to ourselves, how we can reflect his heart, okay? Deal? Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse five. Here's what we read. Author says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? So let's remember, this is a word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If they're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not really legitimate not the sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us, why? For our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Let's just stop right there. What would you say the Lord models for us in the way that he loves? What can we learn? Here's the big point. We might say, well, expressions of God's love may not feel pleasant in the moment, he says, but painful. There's a bigger picture, right? That, that moment of challenge or difficult stuff, hard stuff, is not the whole picture. There's a bigger picture, and the author continues later on, however, what seems so painful in the moment is in fact for the good of the person on the receiving end that we love. So he says in verse five, don't lose heart. When God allows tough stuff in your life, don't lose heart. He's for you. He loves you. He's not mad at you. So here are a few lessons that we can glean from the Father's example. If you're looking at your notes, I have three bullet points that I just want to mention here that I think uh, flow out of Hebrews chapter 12, and then what does it look like for you and for me to emulate those? For starts, the hurt that the Lord may allow in my life is an expression of his love, not an absence of it. The Lord disciplines who? The one he loves, right? Sometimes God loves you enough to allow you to go through pain, to not rescue you right away from a difficult situation because he knows what's going to happen in your life, your maturing, your development as a person is going to come through those hard times. Not an absence of his love, it might be the expression of his love. Next, number two, God's involvement in my life, even when there's pain, reveals just how close the relationship really is. I had this thing when my kids, like we would, you know, there might be a, I don't know, they'd get a timeout or there'd be some withdrawal of a privilege. And I'd say, no, I want you to know that dad is doing this because he, what? He loves you, right? Just because you love us, if you really, no, no, it's really because I do. At my best, anyhow, if I wasn't venting or just like you may, but if I was like, you know, I really want them to be, I want them to grow. In fact, the author says, if you're not disciplined, you have to question the relationship. Are you really a son or daughter at all? If, if a child is growing up in a family and they never have boundaries, there's no guardrails, there's no consequences to behavior that goes 
in the ditch, that child isn't receiving the love that they deserve. God disciplines us not because he's against us, but because he's for us. And here's why he does it. Third bullet point in your notes. The Lord, the hurt that the Lord allows may be painful, but it's always intended for my good to encourage my growth. You see verse 10 again? I mean, he just shows he's forced. God's discipline is always good that we might share in his what? His holiness. That means that we, we're like him. And he talks about a harvest of right living. That's God's heart for you and for me. That when he allows good things in, in, uh, in our lives, he loves us. And when he allows tough stuff in our life, he, he loves us. Now, let me just say something. I don't pretend to know when God causes something in my life and when he permits it. And I'm always hesitant to say that for somebody else. Someone loses their job. They go through bankruptcy. They've got some kind of physical diagnosis. If I go, you know what? God's disciplining you for something. I become like who's friends? Job's friends, and God was not happy with them at all. But what I can say is this. I don't know if God's just allowing that. I don't know what part he had in that. But I know that he wasn't taken by surprise, and God will use every ounce of pain in your life and in my life, every bit of suffering to shape and to mold you, even if he didn't like what was done to you, even if it was somebody else's misbehavior, that God wants to take that and actually redeem it to create in you the kind of heart that he wants you to have. He loves you that much. He's for you. So here's the question for us. If you and I are called to reflect God's heart, what does that look like? If you're, if you're a manager at work, if you're a teacher, if you're a coach, if you're a spouse, a parent, whoever. Because in Ephesians chapter five, here's what we read. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. So just as Christ loved us, if I follow his example, means that just as God has a hard side to his love, there might be times when my love has to take difficult steps and say hard things, right? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to just think through what might that look like? What are some scriptures that we can say? Because here in Hebrews chapter 12, he doesn't say exactly how God disciplines us. He just says he does it, and here's why he does it, because he loves us. So if we are going to demonstrate the hard side of love like God does, what do we do? I want to mention two things. First of all, authentic love speaks truth even when it hurts. You see the verse from Proverbs there? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be what? Trusted. Now in a really silly place, if, if I came in on a Sunday morning and you saw me with a piece of spinach between my teeth, because I don't want to acknowledge that maybe it would be a donut, uh, or if my zipper's down or I got a booger hanging from my nose or something like that, and would you, who really loves me, the person who doesn't tell me or the person who does? The person who does, right? John, you get something right, right here hanging from your, your nose. Uh, you, uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted. It's awkward, it doesn't feel good, but you say the hard thing because you love. What Solomon's saying is this, that love that hides the truth from people isn't worth much. If you really love someone, you'll gently share what they need to hear for their own good. How much would you trust a doctor who wasn't willing to tell you the truth? You know, you go for your scans, your PET scan, whatever, and, and, and the doc, you go, hey, doc, how, how do my scans turn out? The doc goes, 
Well, um, I, th I think you're going to be fine. I don't think it's anything. I mean, you got this lump, and I know last month you had a lump over here, but I, I think it's really probably nothing, even though he or she knows that there's a malignant growth that they see is expanding, and, and you're like, that would be an abuse of their position, right? You'd be crazy. I would want a doctor, even if it's painful news, to tell me what I need to hear because they love me, they care about me enough that they want me to grow and deal with what's happening in my life. To hold back truth from someone who needs to hear it, to hold back truth in a gentle, kind way that you want their best is a disservice to that person. In fact, you could say it's a lack of love. But how many times have we had the opportunity, maybe a prompt, to talk in a caring way to a family member or friend and we're like, ah, oh, just that's gonna be so awkward. I can't do that. Maybe someone else will talk to him. But you know you're supposed to talk to him. If I really love someone, I'm going to say, you know, I, uh, the last few times we've been together, I've, I've noticed something, and I, 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 you know how much I care about you. And I, I wonder if we could just talk for a second about that. You go privately. You go in a way. You tell them why because you care about them. And then you say something, even if it might be awkward. Maybe they don't respond the right way, but you'll walk away knowing I love them enough to say something that I think is gonna help them become a better person. You know, Jesus modeled this. Jesus, Jesus with his own, his closest friends. Remember the time he's talking to Peter and Peter has just said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter, Jesus goes, wow, Peter, that's like amazing. And the next sentence, Peter's going like, you're not going to the cross, you're not gonna die. And Jesus, what does he say? Matthew chapter 16, he goes, Peter, you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. It's pretty straight truth, isn't it? And they still stayed friends. And that helped Peter to develop into the kind of leader that he was supposed to be. And Jesus wasn't the only one to speak into Peter. I sometimes wonder, what if Peter had not had people willing to speak into his life? There's another occasion when Paul and the Apostle Paul and Apostle Peter are interacting and they're together in this one environment and, and Peter is, makes it clear that he's racist because he's willing to eat with this ethnic group but not with that ethnic group. And Paul looks at this and Paul goes, that, that's unconscionable. And listen to what he says. This is Galatians chapter two. You can read the whole context if you want there. But he says, Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was what? Very wrong. That's the way God feels about racial discrimination. It is very wrong. In his excellent book, Necessary Endings, Henry Cloud makes a really important distinguish, a distinction between hurting somebody and harming someone. Some of you maybe have read it. Just a great book. And, but listen to what he says. He says, there's a huge difference between hurt and harm. We all hurt sometimes in facing hard truths, and it makes us grow. That's not harmful. Harm is when you damage somebody. Facing reality is usually not a damaging experience, even though it can hurt. He used the example of getting a, an infected tooth pulled. Does that harm you to have it pulled? No. But does it hurt? When the Novocaine wears off, uh, yeah. But the hurt ensures that you're going to have good dental health. So you don't complain and go, my dentist, guy, that woman, man, she hurt me. 
You know, I, I, they, they did exactly what needed to be done. It hurt, but they didn't harm you. So how does that translate to relationships? You're in the workplace and you oversee someone and you need to have a tough conversation with someone who's not meeting expectations. Why do you do that? Because you care about them. You want them to develop as a team member and you say, I, I'm gonna speak something. I, I'm gonna, you pull them in and you go, I, I want you to be everything that I think you can be as a team member and you know, associate, whatever, and, and you do with their good and their growth in mind. It might hurt to confront a friend who's stuck in a pattern of behavior that it's uh, impacting the relationships around them, but you're not harming them to step in and to go, you know, I've, I, I, can I just mention something I'm seeing here? Jesus never harmed others, but he did cause hurt. Precisely because he did love people. Love says difficult things. If you really love people, there's gonna be a hard side to your love. You're, you're gonna be saying some, some tough stuff. Now, let me, let me just say this. I'm not looking for people to go around like Grace in the lobby and go, hey, Pastor John said, you gotta say the hard truth. Those colors look awful on you. I mean, what's your name, by the way? Uh, and, you know, you're not, we're not looking for people to go around just sort of just blurting out. It's But people in your circle of relationships, people who know you and care about you, you're still welcome to come up if you don't know me and say you got something stuck between your teeth. But, but we don't go around and just speak to anybody, but we say, who are the people that God has put in my life that I think I have some responsibility for and I love them, have a relational credibility with them that I can speak this kind of truth into their life. So love, number one, love says difficult things. Secondly, authentic love does not enable uh, destructive behavior. Some of you have found yourselves in a difficult situation in your workplace or on a team or maybe even in your marriage. Last week, we looked at Romans chapter 12 that says this. It says, live at peace with everyone. And then Paul gives two qualifications. Remember what he says? He goes, when possible, it's not always possible, and as far as it depends on what? On you. But you might be in a relationship with somebody whose behavior is destructive or abusive or consistently unkind, and you can't change another person. You can only change you. So Paul gives this, these qualifications. He's being very realistic. Remember the kid jumping on the piano? or the woman whose husband has a drinking problem, a person may claim to love too much to set any boundaries for their behavior, but listen to this. Authentic love, you can't have authentic love without boundaries. You might say, John, is there like a biblical precedent for that? Yeah, well, let me just give you a couple really fast here. I could give you more if we had time. The Apostle Paul one time, he's writing to the church in Corinth, a city you can still visit in Greece, and they have this guy in their church who's having a sexual relationship with his stepmother. And they're not doing anything about it. They're just sort of like, yeah, sort of, you know. You know what Paul says? Paul tells him in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he goes, how can you allow this man to stay in your fellowship, in your circle? Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Love does not enable destructive relationships. Failure to act in those times is really a failure to love. Let me say it one more time. Failure to act when there's some kind of abuse or destructive behavior is a failure to love. Yeah, I, I, and there's some folks going, yes, we need to hear this. How about Jesus and the cleansing of the temple? There are these business people 
who are cheating those who are making their way into Jerusalem. And Jesus doesn't go, well, some people are gonna do what they're gonna do. He puts a whip together. He'd been seeing this happen since he was a child. And he goes, I'm not gonna put up with that kind of behavior. I'm not telling you to, to form a whip. I'll leave that to Jesus. But he said, that's not gonna happen in my house. And if you're the person that you say, I have some authority or responsibility in this house, you go, I can't. So what does it look like for us? It might involve a painful step for you. Let me just mention this one in your notes. It says this, in order to live with integrity or to protect the welfare of others, there will be times you need to walk away from a workplace or a relationship. Let me just speak very directly here. If you're being abused right now in a workplace setting, in a relationship with a significant other, you do not need permission to leave. Get yourself to safety. And that's especially true if you have children. And see a licensed, trained, I would recommend a Christian counselor. We have several here at Grace. And I would agree with those who discourage joint counseling with an abusive spouse, at least in the beginning, which can just allow the abusive behavior to continue in a clinical setting. I want to say this, if you're being abused right now in some way, Jesus sees you, he cares about you, and he wants you to be safe. But you have to take some of the steps to make that happen. Let me say this to all of you guys who are married. I'm speaking to myself as well, all right? Your relationship, your spouse, your wife, guys, the safest place in the world for her should be in relationship with you. She should feel the most emotionally safe, the most physically safe in a relationship with you. You're going, aren't you going to say anything to the wives? I'm going to say something to the wives. All of you women who are married, your husband should, my wife is like this, the safest place in the world for me is with Mary. There's not a relationship or place where I feel safer than I do in my relationship with her. It's not enough to say, well, I'll stop saying, you know, the mean stuff and ridiculing and making fun of them and all the rest. I'll, all right, I'll stop having the fits of rage around the house. No, that's not enough. That's a starting point. But to continue on and to say, what can I do to encourage and lift up and nurture and help this person to become everything that God designed them to be, even if they have their challenges. I want them to feel safer no place else than in relationship with me. If you have any kind of, if you're falling short of that in any way, and in a church this size, and for people watching online, that's gonna be the case. Do the courageous thing and get help. Get help. But don't let the enemy keep on tearing you down like this and allowing you to be one who's just tearing at the trust and the dignity of the people around you. Whatever relationship, let's just step back for a second. Beyond marriage, it could be any place. If you've got a tough conversation to have or step into something, always we just go, God, I want to do this with the right heart. 
I want to make sure that, that I'm reflecting your character. Check your motives. Why are you doing this? It's the kind of thing where Mary and I, when we would talk to our kids, they'd have some kind of misbehavior. They'd get in a fight or they'd lie to us or whatever. We, I would always, we'd do it up in our bedroom. You know why? Because up the stairs, every step I'd be going, Jesus, I'm doing this for their good. Not because I'm irritated. Not because I'm venting. But because I love them. <laughs> Check your motive. You know what Jesus said in one of his first messages? He said this, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So before you have the conversation, just go, God, I want my heart to be pure. I want to make sure that I'm humble. God, if there's any sin I need to own in Holy Spirit, I, I want you to help me to do everything in love, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now here's something I like to do. I like to just pray and say, Lord, if you were in my situation right now, how would you handle this tough relationship, this situation? Because I want to walk in and reflect your heart so that when I leave, even if it's awkward, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, when I walk away, they'll go, I don't know how he could have done that in a more loving way than what he did. I want to reflect the heart of Jesus in that way. He may have hurt, but he never harmed. The goal is always this, in every relationship, love like God, love like God. And real love is willing to make difficult choices today for positive results tomorrow, even when it hurts. So here's what I wonder, how is he prompting me and you today to grow in our own kind of, Lord, I wanna be this kind of person? Is there a person he's calling you to step into an awkward conversation, but to do it with his heart and to say, you know what? Uh, I care about you and our relationship enough that I wanted to, it's hard, isn't it? So let's ask him for help. Would you pray with me? Let's ask him to love through us. Father in heaven, we want to thank you today that you care about us enough that you're, you're willing to allow, maybe sometimes even cause tough stuff in our lives because you, you want us to grow Lord, we just are asking now that you would give us your heart, uh, that, Lord, we would be humble and gentle like you are. We'd also be bold and courageous in a way that would reflect the way you combine those so well. So what we're asking, Jesus, is by your spirit to live through us and to love through us even when it's hard. And Lord, for those who are going right now, I need to change. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the person whose behavior is causing the problem. Thank you that you can strengthen us. You can root out the, the, the crusty parts of our heart. And so we pray, begin the work of surgical precision in our hearts and root out all the stuff that is just hurting the people around us so that we can really model uh, your, your character to those that we claim to love, Jesus. In your name we pray, and everyone said, amen, may it be.